You're listening to Women in Wealth WordPress, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of female empowerment and financial freedom through the wonderful world of web design. Hello. Hi there. How's it going? That is a very different voice, I'm sure, than a lot of the previous podcast episodes. So I am so stoked to have you on. You are my first male guest and not specifically a WordPress designer or a website designer either. So a bit of variation there, but I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome, James Barnard. Well, thank you for changing up your format for me. I feel very (laughs) honoured. Yeah, first male guest, no pressure at all. I'll try not to be misogynistic at all. I'll I'll keep the answers as less sexist as possible. But thank you very much for having me on as the first male guest. I feel very privileged. Oh, you're so welcome. Can you start by giving a bit of an introduction into who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah, I'm James Barnard. I am a freelance logo designer from the UK, but I actually now live on the Gold Coast. So I'm just up the road from you. I I live on the Gold Coast now. I've been here for coming up to three years and I am formerly of the publishing industry. I got my start as a generic graphic designer doing a little bit of digital, a little bit of print, and then went freelance. And now I run my freelance logo design business from my little tiny home studio here on the Gold Coast and absolutely loving it. Working with clients all over the world. So good. And um, I have followed you for a while and I know I've seen your progression from, uh, I I think I started following you when you had already gone viral a bit, but now to having like hundreds of thousands of followers. And I remember even early on, you talked about having your pricing on the website and how that led to no clients. And now you're like working with clients all over the world. How's that transition been for you? And how are you finding it being solidly booked out and yeah, not having any really problems finding work at the moment. Uh, it's, that's the, the best part of any kind of success on social media has been this wait list that I've had now. It's been so great. I went viral back in, I think it was 2021 now. I think that's right. Or maybe it was 2022. Yeah. On TikTok and got a bit of a following on TikTok after my first sort of video that hit something like 3 million views. And ever since that day, I've been booked out something like at least two months solid. So it's been fantastic. It's allowed me to build in a bit of a buffer with my clients now so I can spend a little longer on the projects. I don't have to worry about what's coming around the corner. I'm not rushing to get the next one in. And it's been so fantastic. The the types of clients that kind of come out of the woodwork. I've worked with some really cool companies all over the globe. A lot of people from the States because obviously there's a huge sort of Instagram and TikTok audience mm. there. And that's great because they spend a bit more money on local designs. Yeah, you get a bit more value. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, especially to the Aussie dollar. Yeah. So that's just been amazing. And the trouble is now, it's just there's, there's only so much of me to go around. It's trying to yeah. get a bit more help on board and to help me do little things. Some of the grunt work that I'm not necessarily is the best use of my time. So now yeah. I have an assistant and, and that's quite new to me, something like maybe like six months ago or maybe a bit longer, a lovely lady called Beatrice who lives in Würzburg, Germany. And she handles all my logo exports and my brand guidelines documents. So all the kind of stuff that's, you know, ages and I was so controlling that whole process. She now has come on board and she helps me out with that. So Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to spend a lot more time on the actual design work itself and not do so much of the kind of the bit that I don't really enjoy, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, totally. Because once that document is typeset, like the brand guidelines document, it's probably the same one that you use for every client and it's just changing it to suit their brand dropping in the files that you've done. Yeah, um, it's pretty templated. It it follows a certain format. It obviously changes between client, but it's not something that's too difficult to handle. And 
and my assistant can totally handle that. We've got into a, um, a lovely little groove now where all, all I really have to do is say, these are ready for export. Can you pull that brand guidelines document together? Because she's been part of the process and helped me do the presentations with the client going along. She actually knows a bit about the client that can totally feed in that sort of visual identity. And yeah. so it's, it's become really easy and, and we're loving it. We're, we're absolutely rocking at the moment. Yeah, the only issue is at the minute is that I've been doing a bit more on the kind of the course side of things. I've put a little bit of a pause on client work over the last sort of two months. So I feel a bit bad. I'm getting back into the swing of things though. This 2024, I'm starting my first client project of the year this week. So we're back into the swing of things. So good. But I do find we're recording this early January, that kind of timing, it does start to slow down around December and it is nice to take mm. a bit of a break. And so I'm sure she's hopefully appreciated a bit of space as well over that time. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. I'm sure 2024 will be huge for you. You did touch on your course just then. I would love to talk to you a little bit about that and how that process has been. And one thing, we will talk about this a little bit as well, but one thing I really like about you and that I feel like we have in common, and this is why I really wanted to get you on, is that. I think that you have a big focus on time-saving hacks and tricks and like shortcuts that will improve your workflow. And that's really what you've poured into your course. So can you talk a little bit about that? And has that always been a thing for you? Do you kind of like gamify it? This is what it seems yeah. like from the outside. I've, I made a bit of a name for myself when I was working in the publishing industry as being a designer that works really quickly. Like I've always been good in the software. I found that I'm good with computers and I'm, I'm always striving to find faster ways to work to improve your efficiency and that gets more clients through the door it totally helps this course is called turbocharge your logo designs and it's about going faster in adobe illustrator and yeah like i mentioned i spent the last sort of two months well november through to december working on it and it was a labor of love really it was so involved the process i took way too much on myself the filming the editing script writing and obviously that the marketing and all the sort of Instagram stuff to actually get the sales through the door. I even built the site myself in Kajabi. Mm. So I took, it was, I was so burnt out by the end of the process. It was ridiculous. But yeah, the actual sort of the workflow of the course is all about going faster in Illustrator and, and little tips and tricks on how to utilize hardware more efficiently and utilize shortcuts and actions inside Illustrator to basically bust out these ideas and iterations inside the software rather than in this sort of drawing phase where that's not really my kind of strongest suit. Yeah. I, I suck at drawing. I really do. Like, it's terrible. I'm a logo designer. I'm supposed to be an amazing you know, <laughs> at sketching. I'm awful. I'll show you my sketchbook later on. But it's like line drawings and connections that kind of rule ideas out. And then yeah. I'm into the software as fast as possible. And this course is all about basically iterating quickly inside the software by going faster inside Adobe Illustrator. Yeah, I, I love that. And I do think that I feel like that's a common misconception with the industry because some people are really great at sketching, like Chit Code, who I follow on Instagram as well. He, yeah. like, he shares all Jack his Chitty. sketches. Yeah. yeah, and he has pages and pages of them. I'm not a huge sketcher and I pretty much go straight into Illustrator as well. And because I feel yeah. like once you get to know the tools, you can play with things a lot quicker and you can get concepts pulled together a lot quicker. Definitely. And I also find that as a designer, it's almost not the end design that is the most important thing is the concept behind it. And it's like mm. bringing a metaphor that's not so transparent and overdone and stereotyped. And that's where the magic lies, like yeah. the creative aspect, which like I said, like with when you say with your assistant, that's what you do. And then the repetitive stuff can be done elsewhere. It's like Definitely. the creative spark is something that 
is really hard to yeah. teach and learn. It is, yeah. it is, isn't it? And and I follow Jack as well, Jack Tithy. He, he's yeah. a, he's a pal of mine. He, it's so intimidating watching people like that work, and their sketches are so good. So to the point where they're like scanning in the sketch and then yeah. tracing it in Adobe Illustrator. I do not work like, like that. That just doesn't work for me. It's, I'm not good at sketching. I feel like lots of designers are cheating that system. They're actually doing the logo, going back to the sketch, I making agree. a really yeah. lovely sketch for, for Instagram, <laughs> and then throwing that back in and then doing it. And there's, some of their notepads are incredibly neat and immaculate, aren't they? Yeah. I don't believe them for a second. I don't believe yeah, like so, with my artboards when I'm designing an illustrator, yeah. I never want anyone to see my logo Definitely artboards because they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's part of my course actually is yeah. like starting your logo design projects, the illustrator with an artboard with 42 artboards because it's like a lovely little grid and it fills the space. Yeah. And it means that you're not creating new ones and then having to drag them and little elements get cropped off and moved to another section. Like you're starting from a massive canvas of loads of yeah. artboards. So you can basically just do what you want and throw things everywhere and go and go Keep crazy. Going. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually going to take a look at that because I did get your course and I started looking through it, but then the holidays came up and I haven't had a well, good thanks. chance to go through the whole thing. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> excited to dive into it. Okay, so you mentioned that you were working in publishing and then you transitioned to freelance. How did that change come about and how did you make that decision? And did you dip your toes in or...? While I was working in publishing, I was very lucky that my role stemmed across loads of different magazines. I worked for a company called Bauer Media, and they had something like maybe 20 publications, each of which had design resource, and they had little extras that constantly needed um, resource for. So I would freelance for those other magazines mm. after hours, and that was a kind of dipping my toe into the sort of freelance world. I could make a bit of extra beer money here by doing some little freelance projects on the side. Eventually, I got to the point in my career where I hit a certain level where I was doing less and less design work and more and more managerial, and I really didn't like it. The yeah. last role I took on was for a very big newspaper organization as their sort of head of digital design, and it was constantly putting out fires, dealing with HR issues. I love the teaching side of things. I love kind of sharing the knowledge and, and doing sort of knowledge sharing within that team. But ultimately, it was just like dealing with HR issues and project managing with, with the client directly because we were working in-house. And I, I, I lasted six weeks in that role and quit because I couldn't handle it. It was just, mm. it was so demoralizing not doing the design work anymore. Yeah. So I went freelance to pay the bills while I tried to find a new full-time role and realized very quickly that the freelance lifestyle is amazing. So and great. this is the life for me. I, I then went on as like a gun for hire in London and went to every single agency as a freelance designer, twice as much as I was making as a full-time designer and had periods where I could just suddenly take a week off and, do, and work on my own projects and not suffer financially for it. And it was just absolutely um, groundbreaking. Moment. Why mm. have I not been doing this sooner? It was timed pretty well because by that point I had an established career as a designer. I worked for like six years in the business and had done the full-time thing and worked with teams and learned to work with other people. And so the timing was really good. So yeah, I fell into the freelance way of things. And for the longest time, I was like a generic graphic design freelancer, gun for hire, going into agencies, helping them out and doing my own sort of retainer client projects, flyer design, poster design, email newsletters, that kind of thing. But eventually niched down into this logo design business mm. and didn't look back. Yeah, I love it too. I think it's just such a fun creative i do a lot of wordpress and i would say what i'm known for and what my specialty <laughs> is but 
I just can't bring myself to drop the logo design because every time I do it and I get to the end, I'm always like, I don't know. I just feel like there's a little bit of magic to it that I, yeah. I really enjoy. And even though it's so hard sometimes when you're in the trenches and the design's not coming together and it's not working and something's mm -hmm. not fitting, when you finally get that puzzle piece, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really fun process. I so. imagine that's really satisfying as a web designer as well because it's like your creation going into the end product. Yeah. Like for me, logo design is like a blank canvas. It's pure creation starting from scratch, building a visual identity from this one sort of starting point. And there's no part of the industry that I enjoy more. It's the reason that I've ended up in this specialty is because it's the part of the industry that I enjoy the most. And it's so rewarding creating something from nothing and then mm. using the assets that you've made to create an end product like a website. I still do a bit yeah. of web design on the side. I don't use WordPress anymore because I can't be my <laughs> developer and I can't hack it. I've fallen out of that. But yeah, just putting together a simple client website, I can do that. And yeah. when it's your visual identity that's being plugged into that, that's so satisfying. It's the most yeah. sort of aesthetically pleasing thing there is. I think so too. And I think you get a really good result. And I also think with a brand and a visual identity, there's only so far you can go because I always say to my clients, brands come to life through use. So actually putting it into something after I've designed it into like a full website with multiple pages and multiple different treatments of the design it, mm -hmm. it really helps to bring it to life and i do get really good results with that so i find it a really fun process yeah yeah it's brilliant isn't it i moved away yeah. from wordpress though because my sites were getting hacked all the time oh. and uh, i couldn't deal with it like having yeah. to get a developer to help me fix them it was just yeah. so stressful i migrated everything over to squarespace about yeah. well no not like six years ago something like that yeah and that's what you use client. for your clients too? It, yeah. it is at the minute, yeah, because it's yeah. so plug and play. And I, I, can, I also get a small referral because it's mm. obviously a client project that goes directly into the Squarespace site. But when there's a problem, they have 24-hour support and they yeah. don't need me to put it back online again. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little less freeing in terms of design because obviously a lot of it is quite fixed. Yeah. But for me, we're dealing with the clients who just need something like a flyer-based website totally. totally fits the bill. And yeah. I can stitch that together really quickly as well. Yeah. I definitely see those benefits. I also think that where the issues come with WordPress is when the base isn't set up well. So I've mm. made mistakes earlier in my career as well, not necessarily having the right security plugins or the right backups or the right SSL or the right hosting. There's so much yeah. that goes into that security piece. And I definitely see the benefits of Squarespace handling all of that for you. But I also love with WordPress, the flexibility of the design. You can do really amazing things once you know the software. So yeah, there's pros and cons, isn't there? I imagine that's where you come in in that flow is like you're, you're that kind of expertise and that start point to get that, those security issues sorted from yes. the get-go. Yeah. Because that I really struggle with that. I was always just plug and play, let's go. I want to start yeah. designing it. And there'll be all sorts of holes and I'd install a third-party plugin and it would yeah. get hacked. And I'd go in, in the morning and it would say site hacked by hacker. Oh I was my like, God. they're not even doing anything. They're just doing it because they can prove how many exploits yeah. there are in, in these WordPress plugins. So it's just a constant bane of my existence. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. yeah, I did have a couple in my first year, but i uh, happy to say I haven't had any since then. Mm. I feel like it was a good experience because it taught me how to fix them, how to prevent them. I guess it's all just part of that learning journey. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but there's so much to know, so much to know to come, become an expert <laughs> in any field. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, so we touched on this time hacks piece, which is something I would really love to talk to you a little bit more about, but what kind of time hacks or productivity strategies do you use to ensure that your projects are always delivered on time, that you can get through your process and you can get that 
creative, those creative pieces ticked, but yeah, get a really great end result mm -hmm. and make those deadlines. I wouldn't say they're hacks as such, but I'm, I'm very lucky that I've built a really big buffer with my clients. I ask for two weeks to turn over the first designs for a client to look at in terms of sort of logo design. And that allows me to build a really strong discovery process. So asking all the right questions, really getting to know the client. We sit on a call for like an hour or more where I just pepper them with questions constantly about their brand that basically go down to the roots of their organization and discover what their company means to them, maybe a little hidden backstory. And then from there, a couple of little things like brand nouns. This is the workflow I stole from a guy called Alan Peters. He's like my hero. He's an amazing logo designer. He taught me this process where you get the client to sign off four or five nouns that you're allowed to use in the design phase with these logo projects. So for instance, the one I, example I use in my course is like a daycare facility, a nursery. We used a bear, building blocks, a hand. There was one of that, I forget what it is. But within the design phase, you can take those nouns and then use them as concepts for the logo. And that means that the client at the end is not getting uh, any design surprises. They know what's coming. It's just about the actual style of putting them together. And that saves you time in the sign-off because they've already pre-approved the concepts that you're going to be working with. So it's absolutely, it means that the projects go so much quicker and they get turned over faster because the amends phase isn't as drastic because they're really not getting any surprises in the, in the long run. So yeah, not so much hacks, but just the fact that I've got a two-week buffer to mm. give my clients their first designs means that I can sleep on my designs, take breaks from my work, I get burnt out. I'm actually putting out work that I'm proud of in the first yeah. instance, so I can get that sort of work signed off in the first go. I, I went to Adobe Max last year as a speaker, and that's, this was my talk. Was, it was called Signed Off, No Amends, How to Get the Holy Grail of Feedback. And it's basically that process, just how to get that client to sign the work off first go, which basically leads to more clients through the door because you're turning them around faster. Yeah. So that's the way I like to work. Yeah, and they're obviously happy if they're getting a result that they're expecting and you've walked them through the process. It yeah. sounds quite collaborative. How long is your process from onboarding to files delivery generally? It's usually around a month. So yeah. from the first client interaction, they, they come through my website via a form and I have a a CMS called Bloom, which basically runs all those leads through a form, puts them into a little folder for me, and I can go through them and ask questions, and then we get on a call. And then from there, it's like a 50% deposit, and then that will lock in the start date. And then from that start date, it's two weeks for me to turn around the logo design, the first option for them to take a look at. And then the next sort of, it usually takes another couple of weeks to get the amends done and export all the logo files. Yeah. So it's typically around a month. I try and not to work on too many projects at the same time, but normally I'm working on about two to three projects concurrently while yeah. one's getting feedback, I'm working on another one. So it, there is a bit of overlap there, but yeah, yeah. I try to structure them about two weeks apart. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's a lot of designers I speak to do a lot more than that, you know, one a week or two a week even. And I just can't work that way anymore. No, I, find I, that I can't just, either. The output is just, the quality suffers so much yeah. when you're trying to crowbar that many clients into such a short space of time. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've really built this big buffer now, which I, I absolutely stick to. And it's like the holy grail. I don't, I don't break it for anyone. So good. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said about having a process and holding true to it because the clients respect you more, you get better work, you get better feedback when they know when they're going to hear from you and all of those types of things. So it's a much better process all around. Yeah. And you have a family as well. So you've got to have hit. Children, That's right. don't you? <laughs> I do. 
little cherubs. Elodie, she's four, turning a five. She's starting school in a couple of weeks, so oh, that's wow. going to mess our routine. And then Lincoln, totally. he's two years old. Yeah, but my wife runs her own sort of business. I think you follow her, actually. On oh, really? She's called Hack- Hacker Lily. She does these, yeah, a Hacker Lily hip surfer. That's my wife. And so she, I had no idea. Yeah. I so she at an event recently. Did you? Um, yes. Uh, she spoke at a One Roof event on the Gold Coast. That's right. Yes, yeah, and I was does. so gutted because my babies are just growing out of that phase, and uh, yeah. I had no idea. That's so that's cool. Good. So I can kind of use my logo design to help out yeah. the, the people in my life, and I did her branding, and it's quite interesting as well because she's obviously like a client because I yeah. did the branding, and I want to see it protect it, but it's, it's really interesting seeing her like dive into Canva and pull colors from everywhere and change the fonts <laughs> all the time. I've got to kind of wrap her knuckles to stop her from doing it. Yeah. She's done so well, and, and then those two kids have been a huge part of her business because of mm. the... For those listening, it's like a, a baby carrier it sits on your hip and you pop your baby on the hip seat and you just have to hold it with one arm and it takes all the weight off having to carry the, the baby. Body. It's so good, like, you know, to support through sort of graphic design less and less these days because yeah. um, unfortunately just time is, is an issue. So yeah, it's been fantastic. And our kids play a massive part in our lives. Mm, amazing. My kids are actually the same age. So yeah, so good. Mm. That's so funny. It's such a so you're in the trenches. Like, yeah, <laughs> in the trenches. It's for- over the Christmas break, we had them booked in for a couple of days of daycare just so we could have a bit of time to ourselves. Same. And Same. then the power went out. So we missed all of those days. Oh, so no. they've just gone back this week and I'm like, oh. Oh, freedom. <laughs> yeah, freedom for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. Okay, coming back, I would love to know how you keep them updated and what does that client project management piece look like for you? At onboarding, do you share some kind of timeline? And yeah, how can they know when to expect to hear from you and all of those types of things yeah as a freelancer my systems aren't really in place like they're not kind of set in stone yeah I have, like i mentioned before i have the cms which is pretty handling invoicing and timelining and that kind of stuff and i'm just really clear with my emails at the start like, when they expect to see something when the start date is going to be and when they're going to see that first draft and i usually try and aim for one or two days before that so they're nicely surprised and they can yeah. have a bit of time to look at it one big thing, though, is that making sure that the client spends the time with that first design and doesn't need to react to your work. So I built in maybe two or three days for them to sit on the design and sleep on yeah. it a couple of times and maybe even share it with those closest to them so that it's not too jarring for them. Because lots of times I'm dealing with companies that are rebranding and, and taking an old logo that they've run with as a small business and they suddenly want to change it. And it can feel weird and really unnatural and, and jarring and changes it's hard for people especially when they've put that company into the world mm. and you're there trying to change it even though they've asked you to do it sometimes they can be a little bit totally. um, reactive to that so i asked them to sleep on the the work and that takes a bit of uh, yeah, time off of the actual client project but it's so important because they can actually just let that design sink in and let it gradually sit with them and that really helps with that sign process actually you can share it with the people closest to them and if those people closest to them happen to love it that's even better. So I found that's a really important step. I like that idea. Yeah, I really like that because when I sent mine over, I've actually started presenting mine, but I never actually give a guideline around when to hear back. And as you'll probably yeah. go, as a designer, when you send that, you're taking it and I was like, oh, what are they thinking? What are they yeah. thinking? So, <laughs> I, so I actually like the idea of saying, take three days and think about this because yeah. I can see that when you have time to visualize it and think about it and think about how it might look in a flyer or on a website, then it would, yeah, it would grow on you. I can see that. Yeah. 
I have lots of designers argue with me on this because I don't present live. Yeah. I specifically don't do it because I found that when you, you present a design and they don't like it and you're sitting yeah. there staring at their reaction and it's yeah. uncomfortable for everybody, yes. they can't, they don't give you honest feedback. They feel like they've been a bit pressured into giving you initial feedback, which I definitely don't want. Mm. So I take a lot of care and attention on doing a really lovely client presentation where all my rationale is inside etymology of the logo is explained i do diagrams explaining where the design has come from mm. the, the presentation is like 10 to 15 pages yeah and it's beautiful and I, I work really hard on it and lots of designers logo designers work in a different way they'll present sketches and then work yeah. those sketches into a design i don't do that because the, the discovery phase for me is ruled out all of that um, yeah question mark heiress so you're actually getting design ideas like those brand nails we talked about they're all mm. cut off beforehand that way there's no surprises so really when they're looking at that presentation they should be like great he's nailed it this is a brand then, yeah exactly yeah and it also it helps for them to visualize how that logo is going to look they need mock-ups they need to see in color so doing black and white it does work and it's obviously a lots of designers do that because it saves time you're not doing too much work the discovery phase i spend longer on it so that we can get to that point quicker and it's a bit of a risk because sometimes you do have to go back and, and start again but trying to sell in a design in black and white with no mock-ups is really hard. And also takes a bit of value off of what you've just um, provided to them. Mm. You know, give me 10 grand for a JPEG. It doesn't really yeah. work. So you have to sh share that design in as, as beautiful a way as possible with all the mock-ups and all the color variations and treatments. And then that way, if they do sign it off, bang, all that work is gone. It's just literally yeah. export and rank Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I've, it's, I have so many conversations with other designers about different ways to go down in terms of presentation but yeah mm. i specifically don't do it live just so that we can have that time to well i you know, think sit on the design yeah everyone does things in different ways and you do one's concept as well don't you yeah i do yeah know. <laughs> yeah yeah and i just think as long as you communicate with a client this is the process i go through and they know what to expect yeah lots of people do things different ways and still can end up at a, at a great result but i do a similar thing with websites in that i don't do wireframes because i feel like clients can't visualize yeah. what that website it is, is going to look like. It? They can't click it. They can't drag it smaller. And I also find that it's a waste of a step. It's a waste of a, a whole kind of piece in the project, probably like a mm -hmm. week. And then they don't really know what they're looking at. Whereas if I build it straight onto the, the web design platform that I use, Elementor, I can build as quickly in there as I can in Illustrator. And right. it saves me so much time and they can see it live. It's already responsive because I build responsive throughout. So they can check nice. it on their phone and all of those types of things. And they see it as a website, not as like a yeah. PDF. So <laughs> That's great. I think the wireframing is like for a certain type of client, isn't it? Yeah. People that have been through the process before and specifically those who have been to UX and working yeah. on bigger websites that kind of need that. Big website. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you're right. Like when you're working with like mom and pop shop or someone like I don't know, like a hairdresser or something. If you give them a wireframe, it's just like, what? What is this? What why is, is it this? black and yeah. why? Why are the little crosses in the box? Why can't I come and click on this? What frame? So yeah, you're right. It? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and we talked about this a little bit about how you have a lot of time in your process, and so that that bakes in that time for you to think and iterate and all of those types of things, but. I would love to know how you strike that balance between the work and managing project timelines. And I guess for you, has it just been something that's come over time where you've pushed out your timeline and you've really realized how long the process takes you and yeah, how yeah. did you get to that it's point? It's just come from experience. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. It just 
doing loads and loads of projects and trying to refine it after each one. Yeah. A colleague of mine, James Martin, made by James, he's, he says this wonderful line, keep adjusting and be open to wiggle. I absolutely mm. love that mantra. Just tweaking things as they go. That two-week timeline for me has come just from years and years of doing this over and over and over again. And I just found that every time I try and rush a job or, or squeeze that, it just, it doesn't work. My output yeah. suffers and you can see it immediately in the designs. And I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of the work that I'm presenting. So having that buffer in there has, has really worked for me. But yeah, that's just come from experience and doing it over and over again. So unfortunately, there's no real kind of cheat for that. You just yeah. have to go through it and see what works and then eventually keep adjusting and be open to wiggle. Yeah, I always talk about this. I always am changing my processes. But the one thing I'm really bad at is estimating time. And mm. I also am so resistant to time tracking. And this year I was like, I just have to time track a couple of projects because I really need to know how long they're taking yeah. me. Are my deadlines okay? Because in the last year I missed a couple of deadlines and it was a massive year for me personally. I was diagnosed with ADHD and autism. I have two young wow. kids, all of these things. But I still need to be able to do my work. So I need to figure out what yeah. the timeline really needs to be. So that's my goal this year is to really nail my processes a little bit more. Do you, so. do you bill hourly or are no. you billing on a project basis? I bill okay. on a project, yeah. And so you're just doing the time tracking to work out what's efficient for you and, and whether you're losing money in areas that you could be. Yeah, and how many clients I can take on at once because right. for me, I've always been the kind of type, the kind of person that's like throw everything at me and I'll catch it. And that's yeah. fine and that has been fine in my corporate career when I, I had a partner, but when I didn't have kids and I could work evenings and I could pick up the slack. But once you mm -hmm. have kids, you really only have the day, the hours in the day to work and you have to keep it. It's to a that. limiting factor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And then even going from one kid to two kids, I found it much harder to get any sort of work done outside of hours. Even with my first, I really was quite often up to 1am working and I just had this real drive in my first and second year of business and that served me really well and it got me quite set up. But I'm just finding that it's not as possible anymore. So I need to readjust my own expectations of myself, which has been an interesting process. I think it's sort of part of my career to you at the minute because for the longest time I worked evenings and weekends yeah. and I, I, I did that because I had a freelance career and it was the nature of the job. And especially when I moved here, I was still working with clients in Europe and the States, so I was taking phone calls after hours. I still do that today. Yeah. I'm finding it harder. You know, I find it hard to shut up in the evenings. And actually, really, this holiday period has been really hard to try to focus my mind on something else rather than my business and actually just really take some time away from it. So I've been doing jigsaws like mad, Stoked. doing puzzles and stuff, just something to focus my attention, building Lego with the kids. Just, yeah. just feels like I'm being productive, but at the same time, relaxing and winding down. But yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Trying to actually think, okay, I'm going to watch a movie now and that's going to be an hour and a half of my time that could have been spent on my business and you feel <laughs> guilt all the way through doing yeah. it. It's, it's hard, isn't it, as a sort of solopreneur? It's very hard. I actually did, towards the end of last year, I did like 23 things I learned in 2023 and that was one of my th big things is that the work is never done. There's always more that you want to do and so you yeah. have to make some rules and stick to them. And for me, one of my big things is like prioritizing exercise and self-care no matter what's going on, because there's nice. always fires. And yeah, I'm really yeah. trying to work on that and spend more time with my boys when they're young. But at the same time, I'm like, school's coming up. You know, I'm only going to have six hours a day. Yeah. So yeah, just a balancing act as a parent, business owner. But I like the blurred lines. I do like that. 
I don't necessarily need to have time off because I can take time off whenever I want. I can go and get a massage or I can mm-hmm. hop to the gym a day. And so that, that blend works for me rather than the balance. Yeah. But yeah, it's just about It's also like having a partner that can support you during those down times as well. My, my, yeah. I'm very lucky. My wife is amazing and she, she picks up the slack with the kids when we need to. Again, mm-hmm. the freelance life means that you're at home and you can spend time with those kiddos. Yeah. And there is a flexibility there. And I love that. I love the fact that I have a business that allows me to work my own hours so that I'm always there for dinner time. I'm always there to take the kids in and I'm always there to spend time with the kids, especially in these early years when it, they're so formative. I feel like I'm really blessed to be in this position, but it, do, it is hard. It's no cakewalk. No. Trying to you know, <laughs> raise two children and run a freelance business yeah. and in exercise, like you just said, yeah. that's so tough. So tough. So yeah, well done to you for <laughs> oh, focusing on you. that. Thank um, you. But yeah, also it just must be amazing for you to have an entrepreneurial wife as well who understands and gets it. And I'm sure yeah. there's times that you pick up the slack too when, if she's busy with work or whatever it is. So that's yeah. must be Sometimes we have to have conversations about like, I need to take this client call. Who's going to make more money here? Which, which is more important. <laughs> So it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes when she's doing, yeah. I need to work on a social post. I need to put something on Instagram. I'm about to have a client call with a, a potential client that's going to pay me 10 grand for a job. Yeah. Can you please take priority here. It is difficult. Yeah. But yeah, she's amazing. She works so hard on this business and she does it all herself. So I do like to support her where I can just by looking after the kids and doing yeah. the odd dinner here and there. I'm not the best cook, but I do try it. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely um, a lot of give and take. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Okay. So one thing as well, I won't keep you too long because I'm such a fan of box. Sometimes I get to the hour mark and I'm like, oh my God, we need to cut this off. We can keep them a bit shorter. But I would love to talk to you about social media as well, which is obviously something that has exploded in your business. And one thing that I also find is that for me personally, when I get busy with client work, it's the first thing to drop off. But for you, I've Mm. noticed that you're very consistent with posting and really great quality content and like the way it's edited and everything. So can you give us some tips and hacks and what have you found that works and all of that type of stuff? Yeah, sure. Okay. So first of all, the mindset is the biggest issue is that by putting time into social media, it furthers your business. So thinking about your content creation as like a marketing platform immediately makes you feel better about spending that time on it. So I'm a 50-50 guy. I'll spend 50% of my time on my current clients and 50% of my time on building the business. And the large proportion of that is social media. There's no doubt about it. Mm. Something like 80% of my leads now, I think more than that actually, now come through Instagram or TikTok. And that's huge. So I have to keep that kind of hype train going. And I talk about this guy all the time, but Jamie Brindle, he's like this freelance guru. He says 50% of your time should be spent on current clients and 50% of your time should be spent on future business. And, mm. and I've lived by that mantra now. So I try and put out something like three videos a week to social media just to keep that ticking along. Some of those are higher quality than others, but they're all scripted. They're all written out. I, I write a script. I've, I set my camera up, I film and I just re- read each line and then I cut that footage together and then I put my sort of overlays on top with my software tips and tricks and freelance hacks and that kind of stuff. Hmm. But it's such a huge missed opportunity to not be using social yeah. media, to, especially as a freelancer, to further your business because it's free PR. And if you can get the ball rolling with it and create a, a system where you're doing it on the regular, it's opened up all sorts of doors for me. It's unbelievable. And I'm getting to the point now that the more I do it, the better I get at it. Yeah. To the point where, like last night or yesterday, 
less than 24 hours ago, I posted a video to Instagram. Let me just check the views on it now. <laughs> no, I, like, I kind of uh, like that. All right, 1.9 million views what? in less than 24 hours That's on my life. I've cracked the code of going yeah. viral now. That sounds really big-headed. There, no, there's a, there's a bit of a formula to it, and you don't do it all the time because it doesn't further your sort of follower base. I focus my content around software tips, um, case studies, freelancer tips, and basically how to be a better designer. And so, you know, every five, six posts, there might be a one that does pretty well. The majority mm -hmm. of it, though, is in the sort of low... 20s thousands of views but those wow. are the videos that people will come for because when they find you from a viral video and they come to your account and they check other stuff out there's binge worthy content there yeah provides loads and loads of value and it's like a body of work that you just add to over the course of your career That's we wrapped up 2023 and everybody did the 2023 wrapped instagram posts i think i did 150 videos last year wow. on um, instagram and tiktok so it was a lot of work yeah. But it's opened up so many doors, loads of public speaking opportunities, mm -hmm. paid partnerships. It's like a, another income stream for me yeah. now. And I get to work with partners like Adobe and go mm. into Adobe Max and do stuff like that. It's just so unbelievable. Good. So yeah, it's totally changed my life. I wish I'd just done it sooner. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I love that thing about 50% now and 50% in the future. And that's one thing I think yeah, I struggle it's with. It's, it's the mindset. I've had so many mm -hmm. realizations on this call. It's so good. I feel like these podcasts are super selfish for me as well because I get to just have to question. <laughs> yeah. um, I used to do the same on Instagram yeah. Live. I used to get like my heroes to come and chat to me for an yeah, hour and just pick yeah. their brain. Great content, but also I'm learning and, and totally. getting tips and tricks from them. Yeah, So good. But yeah, it's the thing. You're right. I feel like sometimes oh, I just wasted an hour doing that post or I'm going to some networking events sometimes at the moment and I feel like it's very hard for me when I'm not seeing the work that I'm producing to see it as mm -hmm. work. And that's been a big mental shift for me is that my work is talking to people sometimes. My work is, mm -hmm. yeah, these podcasts, their work as well, because that is part of yeah. my advertising. That's part of getting my name out there and all of these types of things. So it is a big yeah. mindset shift. Mindset shift. It's, it's, it's really hard, especially when you mm -hmm. put a lot of work into maybe like a social post or a video and it doesn't do well. It's really demoralizing. But I've started to think more that it's like a body of work rather than using on individual results of, of a post or anything on sort of social media. And it, that really does lead to a follow for when one post does pop off and get loads of views and you get a lot of traction. They'll go to your account and there'll be loads more content of the same kind of quality. Yeah. And that leads to a following. And, and I think it was like October, I had a video hit. 15 million views wow. on Instagram, but it got me a hundred thousand new followers in two yeah. weeks wow. because behind that video, there was loads more that they could binge watch. And when someone came to the page, they, some people were on there telling me that they just spent half an hour going through all my old videos and just getting everything they could out of them. And that's a big thing as well, providing value. Yeah, Lots of people, especially designers on social media, they use it as like a portfolio and they'll show off and, and that's great and obviously as an artist or a designer you're trying to showcase your work and that's brilliant mm. i do showcase my work but i use it through examples More exactly mm. if it's a case study it's about showing the process and how we got there so yes it is showing off how great a logo designer mm. big head but at the same time designers are getting something out of it because you're showcasing what went on behind the scenes and it's so self-serving because then clients will look yes, at that and go, wow, he's the expert that. in the industry. And, and yeah. this is what a client process might look for me if I was to hire this guy.
Yeah. So it's brilliant. It serves both audiences. It's fantastic. And it really shows that logo is more than just a mark. There's so much thought and metaphor right. that goes into it and meaning. And, and therefore should have hold more value and you yes. can pay me more for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of double-edged. Yeah. My audience is a mix of clients and other designers as well. So I have that, I walk that line of like, who am I talking to in this post? But what I yeah. found with this podcast is that some of my clients actually listen to it as well, who are working with me or have worked with me. And they were like, oh, I really like that episode on such and such. So it's like this blend of business and growth and just yeah. if you show yourself people will come to you to get Definitely. what they like from you so yeah it also makes your content sustainable because yeah. you're just being yourself and Real, you're not trying yeah. to be somebody else and, and fake it and polish your content to the point where it's not you anymore you do have to be yourself otherwise you can't keep it up totally. it's really interesting when, when i went to adobe max i met loads of other designers from instagram and very successful on social medias and honestly nine of ten of them were exactly like they are on camera because it's their brand. Mm -hmm. So some of them are proper Hollywood and, and wear the shades and they're too cool <laughs> for school. But mostly they're really down to earth. And a big part as well is like they're, they're all about sharing their knowledge and they yeah. want to give out and they want to give to support the community because it will build them up as well as others around them. And mm -hmm. that's the key is just trying to be as um, genuine as possible and be, just be yourself because it'll allow you to maintain that content. Yeah, totally. And I do like that in yours, how you're a bit daggy. You're like, designers. And you always do yeah, the thumbs brand, up. Though. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, goofy face. <laughs> I love that. So I would just love to know before we head off, do you have anything big on the horizon or do you have any predictions for 2024 or where do you see that industry going? Yeah, let's not talk about AI today. Yeah, let's not talk about AI, shall we? Every conversation seems to be Yeah, it does. It's a tool to help us, not destroy jobs. So let's just draw a line under that right now mm -hmm. i just want to do more of the teaching side of things i enjoyed that so much making the course and mm -hmm. getting the feedback from everybody and the, the beautiful thing about this sort of social media thing was that i could get the, the community of designers around me to help me out with that and had so many people come out of the woodwork and write me reviews for that course it was fantastic i, I really enjoyed that process i want to do more of it this year a bit more public speaking Hopefully I'll go back to Adobe again, maybe even a couple of times this year. So fingers crossed for that. And, and then bigger and better clients and fewer of them is the main aim yeah. to take on less client work, but do bigger and better projects because I've got some really cool projects coming up already this year. One I'm about to start working on is quite possibly going to be the biggest project I've ever worked on. I'm so excited about it. I can't really talk about it, but yeah. it's so cool. I'm so excited about it. It's just one of those projects that has come from someone who's followed me on social media for something like two years and has finally come out of the woodwork and, and asked to ask me to help them. And it's unbelievable. So yeah, I'll share it with you as soon as it's, it's done. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. So cool. And I'm sure probably a lot of people will already know, but can you just share where people can find you and connect with you if they want to know more and check out your course? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So my website is barnard.co. And all the social handles are at Barnard Co. So if you follow me on Instagram and TikTok, it's at Barnard Co. And the course is barnard.co forward slash course. So it's good. Easy, isn't it? So Fat good. Branding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, I'm sure I will see you on Instagram. <laughs> this is great. And thank you for having me as uh, your first male guest. Oh, you're I so welcome. It's be been a really good chat. More in the future. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See ya. Right. Thanks, Nikki. If you love what I do here, let's connect. 
I tend to hang out on Instagram and you can find me at Seedling Digital and at Woman Wealth WordPress. You can head to womanwealthwordpress.com forward slash freebie to download my free Embrace Your Dream Life workbook. This guide is over 10 pages of actionable information and worksheets designed to help you build a profitable and fulfilling business in three steps. Get clear on your why, improve your money mindset and hone in on your messaging. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a rating and a review. It truly means the world to me and I read every message and kind word. Till next time, aim big. Aim big.